0: This is the best of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio.
2: I got to tell you, incredible weekend of college football and NFL action. And we have got so much to unpack during the course of today's show. But I want to start with what happened last night between the Vikings and the Cowboys. The Vikings and Kirk Cousins, always the talk is... Cousins can't win the big game. He can't go on the road in prime time. He can't beat teams with winning records. He can't beat the Cowboys. He can't beat Zach. You heard, all, uh, Dak, you heard all of that talk coming into last night's game. And I thought early on, taking a 14-0 lead, they were up 17-14 at the half, that Kirk Cousins answered a lot of questions. But to me, as you come out of this game, whether you're a Minnesota Viking fan or whether you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, ultimately, you have to be asking yourself, what in the world happened down the stretch of this game that the Cowboys effectively decided to take the ball out of Dak Prescott's hand, put it into Zeke's, and as a result, lost the football game? I want to hit you with this. On third and seven plus last night, Dak Prescott was 5-of-5, 100% conversion percentage, averaging 17.8 yards per uh, catch. He On 3rd and 14, Cowboys get a 20-yard completion. On 3rd and 12, 20-yard completion. On 3rd and 12 again, 15-yard completion. On 3rd and 8, 12-yard completion. 3rd and 7, 22-yard completion and a touchdown. On a night when Dak threw for almost 400 yards and when Ezekiel Elliott was not able to run the football at all, on the Vikings 11-yard line, down four with one minute 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter, Dallas did this on second and third down. Ezekiel Elliott, second and two, no gain. Third and two. Ezekiel Elliott, loss of three, third down and five, uh, sorry, fourth down and five yards to go, they try a little uh, curl route, essentially, to Ezekiel Elliott, which is batted down. And as a result, the Minnesota Vikings get the win. If you went to sleep before this game ended, here is what it sounded like on the final play of the game.
1: Prescott on a very deep drop he steps away from the pressure floats out to the right Dak fires a Hail Mary into the end zone it's a
0: massive jump ball and knocked away and the Minnesota Vikings come up with a big W
2: that is the final call for the Minnesota Vikings radio network Uh, that final play was actually intercepted in the end zone uh, which means that the Minnesota Vikings intercepted the final pass in the end zone, and the Minnesota Golden Gophers uh, intercepted the final Penn State pass uh, in the end zone as well to lock up W's on what was a really big weekend for long-suffering Minnesota Golden Gopher and Minnesota Viking football fans. So, as a result, there was a lot of massive undertakings and uh, and outcomes this weekend in college football in the NFL. I wanted to start with that big win for the Minnesota Vikings, which keeps them squarely in the NFC North race, but more importantly, maybe given how competitive the top of the NFC is going to be, keeps them squarely in the playoffs as a wild card. Now, Dallas Cowboys fall back to a tie in the wins and losses category, both 5-4, and with the Philadelphia Eagles, which a much more difficult Final 7 than the Eagles do uh, have, although the Eagles play against the New England Patriots this weekend. But down the stretch, the Eagles have to feel pretty good, even though they don't have the tiebreak against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. So that is where we are with the Sunday night NFL takeaway uh, in a game that many of you may not have stayed up for. Uh, Appreciate you spending your Monday morning reacting to everything that took place in the NFL and college football with us. But the biggest game of the weekend by far, I was in attendance for. I was down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama for an electric environment between LSU and Alabama. I took my nine-year-old. We met a lot of you all over the place, LSU and Alabama fans. Also, some people who were just in town for a really awesome, huge college football game and didn't even have a strong rooting interest one way or the other. And it was a just extraordinary atmosphere in Tuscaloosa. Perfect weather, perfect game, the highest rated and most watched game in college football in eight years uh, in the regular season. And I got to give credit to Joe Burrow, who had what I think was the best performance Given the circumstances, given the opponent that I have ever seen in person for a college football quarterback, and it may be as good of a performance as we've ever seen for a college football quarterback, period. Burrow won his team, their division, probably, the SEC West. May well have won them their conference, the SEC. Likely locked up a playoff spot regardless of what happens Uh, in the SEC title game, assuming that LSU takes care of business against Ole Miss, they're a three-touchdown favorite against Arkansas, who just fired their head coach in Chad Morris, and against uh, Texas A&M to close out the season. Then LSU will be twelve and zero, rolling into the SEC title game against Georgia, who has a really tough game this weekend against Auburn uh, in a huge rivalry matchup. But in theory. There is absolutely nothing to worry about now if you are LSU, given the fact that you got this win in the method that you did. I also think that Joe Burrow locked up the Heisman Trophy, and he might well have locked up the number one overall draft pick uh, status with the Cincinnati Bengals gaining even more of a lead as three teams with one win all found a way to get a win in the NFL the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Falcons all were 1-7 and to start. The Bengals lose again to fall to 0-9, just get crushed by Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And as a result, the Bengals seem like they have the overall number one pick almost sewn up here given just how bad they are. Given the fact that they benched Andy Dalton and that Ryan Finley was not very good in his start, It seems highly likely the Bengals will go with uh, a a quarterback at number one. And Joe Burrow is from the state of Ohio. It almost feels perfect, other than the fact that he'll be going to the Bengals, for him to be going back to Ohio where he transferred out from Ohio State, where he tried to work his way into a starting role as a three-star quarterback and has become now, I think, the presumptive number one overall draft pick in the NFL. Now, Tua played okay. I think it was clear late in the game that he had a little bit of what you'd call a loser's limp. He put up a lot of points, and uh, Alabama never could get the ball in the second half with a chance to take a lead because LSU, who went into the half up 20, just managed to stay enough ahead of Alabama that the Tide never got the ball back for Tua. Their defense couldn't get a stop with a chance to win uh, that football game. I do think, however, that Alabama played in such a way that they likely have got a leg up on being the uh, the fourth playoff uh, team, and I'll explain that when we come back into the next uh, out of the next break, why exactly I believe Alabama has locked up a spot. Uh, but in the meantime this wasn't oh well, sorry alabama hasn't locked up a spot but they have a leg up on being able to get a spot because right now if you look at the college football playoff uh, scenarios like i said lsu barring disaster in their final 3 games is going to be in the college football playoff likely at 12 and 0 they will play against georgia if georgia can win out and basically that means if georgia can beat auburn this weekend then georgia would be 11 and 1 and Georgia would need to beat LSU in the SEC championship game to make the college football playoff, while in the meantime, uh, I believe LSU would be in regardless at 12-0. Ohio State absolutely destroyed poor Maryland that had absolutely no hope to win that football game, Uh, and I think they're a clear-cut number two. To me, LSU is number one. Ohio State is number two. And the third team, uh, given the fact that Clemson really hasn't been challenged all season long other than the one game against North Carolina that they were fortunate to win, all Clemson has left on their schedule now is Wake Forest and South Carolina, and then it looks like they will play UVA in the ACC title game. So you feel good about those three teams all being in. But I just can't speak highly enough about the environment in Tuscaloosa, about everything surrounding that game in general. It was a monumental, massive contest for LSU, which had lost seven games in a row to the Crimson Tide, had not won going all the way back to the 2011 9-6 to win in overtime. I was there for that one eight years ago. Uh, LSU had not been able to find a way to get past Alabama what a monumental win for Coach Ed Ogeron, who a lot of people, including me, did not believe deserved to be a the head coach of, uh, of LSU, yet all he's done since he's got there is build up this program to the point where they were capable of beating Alabama. But honestly, I think the biggest winner coming out of this game by far was Joe Burrow, who was the difference maker. This guy was so absolutely scintillating and fabulous that as I watched him play, I just thought to myself over and over again, he's everything that you would want of a pocket passer in the NFL. He is big. He is strong. He's athletic. He can slide around in the pocket. He sees down the field. He is decisive in his reads. I mean, he just picked apart a Nick Saban defense. I think if you take Joe Burrow off that LSU team and you put in an average quarterback for him uh, in exchange, I think Alabama wins this game by 15 or 20 points against LSU because their offense is just that dynamic. But on this Saturday, Tua, even as great as he was at times, Joe Burrow just refused to let LSU lose. I mean, it was just an incredible game. So when we come back, uh, I will bring in the crew. We will discuss these uh, these circumstances. Uh, I will walk you through what I think the biggest takeaways going forward, even more so, were from the NFL and from college football, in particular that Alabama-LSU game, what happened with the game win by Minnesota over Penn State. To me, much bigger weekend of impact in college football than in the NFL, although an already tight NFL playoff race got even tighter as uh, we move forward and talk about dissecting all of the NFL action. So we've got an absolutely loaded show headed your direction. Uh, I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. I appreciate all of you hanging
0: out with me. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: it's a confident show, particularly when it comes to, block, uh, to, to to sort of breaking down the college football playoff picture. I feel like I know it better than almost anybody in the world of the media. So what did we learn and how would we break it down uh, as you look forward to everything else that's coming to bear in, uh, in the next uh, three weeks of the regular season plus the, uh, the conference title games? Here's where we are. Right With LSU's huge win, they finish with three games that are incredibly winnable. They play Ole Miss, who is not very good. They play Arkansas, who just fired their head coach, Chad Morris, and is truly awful. And they play against Texas A&M, which will be a tough game, but A&M so far hasn't shown that they're capable of beating a good team. So, the odds are very high that LSU is going to finish 12-0. and so if LSU is 12 and0, you can go ahead and write them into the college football playoff even at 12 and 1, if they lost one of those three games that I just told you and then beat uh, Georgia, they're in the playoff. The only way LSU isn't in the playoff at this point in time is if they lose two of their final four games. and that seems very, very unlikely, okay? Ohio State is in the playoff. They are, by the way, 50-point favorites, the Buckeyes are, over Rutgers. Ohio State, which, God, God, Rutgers is so bad. Ohio State is in the playoff if they beat Rutgers and Penn State and then win the Big Ten title game. It won't even matter what they do against Michigan. Let me repeat that because I don't know that a lot of people have realized this. If Ohio State beats Rutgers, which it would be impossible almost for them not to, and then they beat Penn State. Penn State goes on the road at uh, uh, in a tough game uh, against Ohio State that they will be a substantial underdog in. If Ohio State wins those two games the next two weeks, then the Buckeyes could lose to Michigan and come back and win the, the Big Ten title game, and that Michigan game wouldn't even matter. So Penn, uh, Penn State is in a – and I'll get to Penn State in a sec – Penn State's in a tough spot. Ohio State's in an incredibly good spot right now. Okay, Ohio State really close to punching a ticket to the college football playoff as well. And then the third team, Clemson, likely going to play against Wake Forest, against South Carolina, and then it looks like Virginia in the ACC title game. If Clemson wins those three, they will be 13-0, and and they will have punched their ticket to the college football playoff, right? So that's kind of where we are right now as you look forward and think about what is to come. Who will be the fourth playoff team? It's going to be a lot of debate. You can always go read my column that goes up every Sunday or Monday at OutKick and gives you a good sense for what's going on in the world of college football. But there are a lot of teams that are going to be in contention potentially to go to uh, the, the college football playoff. I believe, however, Alabama is in the best shape of anybody. Here are the 11 teams, all right? If you want the overall big picture, here are the 11 teams that are still in contention to make the college football playoff. LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson should all be considered pretty substantial favorites to advance to the college football playoffs, then these are the other eight teams that are still alive. Georgia would make the college football playoff if they go 12-1. and one. If Georgia beats Auburn this weekend, and they're only like a 2.5 or 3-point favorite in that game, so you should be rooting for Auburn if you are in a, Pac- a Big 12 fan or a Pac-12 fan, If uh, Georgia goes 12 and 1, they will be in the playoff. 11 and 1, Alabama is very much alive. That would require Alabama to beat Auburn to finish out their regular season. 13 and 0, or 12 and 1, Big 12 champ Baylor is alive. 12 and 1, Big 12 champ Oklahoma is alive. 12 and 1, Pac 12 champ Oregon, still alive. 12-1 Pac-12 champ Utah would still be alive. 12-1 Big Ten champ Penn State would make the playoff. And 13-0 or 12-1, I believe, Big Ten champ Minnesota would likely make the playoff as well. Those are your 11 teams right now that still have a college football playoff chance. And by the way, Remember when all the uh, old men in charge of college football, they said, hey, you know what? If college football ever gets a playoff, it will kill the regular season. How dumb was that? Was that one of the dumbest arguments in the history of sports? The college football playoff has vastly increased the amount of interest in the college football regular season, and I think expanding the college football playoff to eight teams would give even more attention because it would keep even more teams alive to make the playoff. The college football power brokers were arguing against all evidence to the contrary, which is the longer your team has a chance to win a championship, the longer you pay attention. So in college football, if you expand the playoff to eight and expand the number of teams that are in the running to make it the playoff, all you're going to do is increase the overall amount of attention that exists In the sport in general, but those are the 11 teams that are in the mix coming down the stretch of the college football playoff. Here is my top 10, by the way, uh, as you run through what just happened in the world of college football. And again, I think the weekend was more impactful for college football uh, than it was for the NFL, which is why I am diving in here in such a substantial way to start off uh, the, uh, the show. My national top 10 in college football. I've got LSU as the best team in the country. I don't understand how you couldn't have LSU as the best team in the country after watching what Joe Burrow and his teammates did on the road against Alabama this weekend. I have Ohio State in the second spot. I actually have Alabama in the three spot because I think Alabama uh, has a more impressive resume right now than Clemson does. Uh, I've got Clemson in the four. I've got Minnesota in the five. I jumped uh, the Golden Gophers way up for their win. I've got Georgia six, Penn State seven, Oregon eight, Utah nine, and Baylor ten. I have dropped Oklahoma out of my top ten. All right, Danny G is out sick. Don't want to pile on Danny G here. It's a huge Monday. I have not missed a sick day, uh, missed a day for being sick in four years on this show. Danny G out sick. Let's go to Dub. We'll start with Dub here. First of all, Danny G, I don't know how many sick days Danny G has, but we talked all last week about how you can't miss a Monday and what's the first thing Danny G does. He misses another Monday during football season. Having said that, how would you assess my breakdown there of the college football playoff picture, Dub?
3: Well, yeah, I think you broke it down very well, and like you mentioned, there's a lot of teams still alive, and
2: eleven uh, to be to be uh, yeah, uh, to be in fact
3: exactly. I mean, it's kind of it, it, you're so right about the 18 playoff it, it, expanding. This this would be so amazing right now if if there were an 18 playoff to look forward to because there would probably be you know 12 to 14 teams very much still alive, and you're right, the interest in the regular season would be that much greater because there'd be more teams alive and there'd be so many big games that mean something for the playoff picture. Do you itself. agree
2: with me that Joe Burrow didn't just win the Heisman Trophy for himself, didn't just win the SEC West for his team, didn't just vanquish a hated rival? But I think Joe Burrow right now has to be the favorite to be the number one overall draft pick uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals uh, who are drafting number one. I mean, I think he should be the number one pick.
3: I would have to agree with you, and, and it is funny that he is from Ohio. He was a former Mr. Ohio high school football player, and the the way things are looking now, the Bengals are, have definitely the inside track of getting that number one pick, so it would make for a great story as well, him starting his NFL career in the state where he's from. So, yeah, I totally agree. He was unbelievable on Saturday.
2: It also sets up the possibility. I mean, can you imagine if Joe Burrow, and this is the way it would be slotted right now if you use the playoff as the uh, – as the expected outcome you'd have number 1 LSU against number 2 Ohio State in New Orleans. I don't know that people have realized yet where the college football national title game is. It's in New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl in the in the Superdome there. So you have the potential that uh, that you could have LSU back at home 7 years uh, or I guess it's been 8 years now, 8 years after they lost their last national title game to Alabama in that same venue in New Orleans, you would have LSU with a virtual home game there against Ohio State. Joe Burrow trying to beat the school that he transferred from in Ohio State. I mean, that would set up to be just a monumentally massive, uh, big-time national title game that would bring in a massive viewership, uh, I think, because I think a lot of people have bought into this LSU team. Uh, Is LSU the best team in college football in your mind, Dub?
3: I, it, it's impossible not to say that at this moment they have the best resume, they have the best wins, and like you said, that, that potential matchup with Ohio State could be unbelievable. I, I'm right now. I'm hoping that that's what we get in New Orleans. Uh,
2: Eddie Garcia, you watched LSU, Bama. We were texting a little bit about it. Um, just a flat out incredible performance by Joe Burrow. Do you think he should be the number one overall pick based on what you saw against Alabama?
4: I mean, it's hard to argue uh against it, really. Um great performance by him, obviously. Alabama with some uncharacteristic mistakes at home, uh, you know, with Tua just dropping the ball and a few other plays. But uh no, it was a great game. I can't even imagine the environment you saw there. And it was
2: extraordinary. I mean, yeah. for people out there who have never been to a big college football game in the South, there is I I'm fortunate. I have gotten to go to Super Bowls, I've gotten to go to Basically, every big sporting event you can imagine, major golf tournaments, uh, every you know major NFL rivalry game, whatever you want to toss out there, there is nothing on your sports bucket list. There is nothing that compares to a big Southeastern Conference football game. Part of it is we're just fortunate because the weather is so good for college football season. I mean, it was you know sixty degrees, not a cloud in the sky for the game against uh, for the for the LSU Bama game this weekend. Uh, the tailgate scene is off the hook. I mean, it is – you need to add it to your to your bucket list if you are a sports fan to go to a big SEC game at some point in your life because there's nothing else like it. It is the best thing that we do in the world of sports in this country. It just is. And, uh, and you know, I, I saw, what, 16 million some odd people watch. The most watched college football regular season game or highest rated – in eight years, uh, and that was – a. imagine how much more it would have been watched if CBS had put this game in primetime. Uh, but Bama just couldn't get the ball with a chance to win in the second half because I don't know about you, Eddie Garcia, but I think if Alabama had gotten the ball, if Tua could have ever gotten the ball with a chance to win it, if they could have gotten a stop or gotten a turnover, I think Alabama would have won this game. But they just never got the ball for their offense with a chance to score and win it even all the way down to the onside kick – I felt like if Bama got that onside kick, they would have come down and scored and won the game as well.
4: Yeah, they just couldn't recover from the early hole that they dug themselves. And then you know you saw the momentum swing and the crowd really getting into it, but to, just uh, didn't have enough time to finish it off. But like I said, what an incredible atmosphere. I've, I've had a chance to go to a lot of sporting events and been very lucky, but that is on my list. And hopefully I can check that off here in the next couple of years to go to a big-time SEC game.
2: What do you think about Alabama – as a potential getting in. Because that, that drives a lot of people crazy, is the idea that Alabama would get in the playoff uh, again, despite not winning their conference or their division. Here's how I would break down the college football playoff contenders right now. I said there are uh, 11 teams alive for four spots right now. Ultimately, I think if you kind of look ahead and read the tea leaves, it's likely to me that you could have a 12-1 and Oklahoma That's again, if you're reading the tea leaves and trying to project, I think that 12 and 1 Oklahoma, 12 and 1 Oregon or Utah uh, could win out and be the Pac 12 rep, and 11 and 1 Alabama. I think it's likely to come down to those three. Now, it could not be that difficult. For instance, if Baylor goes 13 and 0, Baylor would get in. Okay. Uh, It could be that the Pac 12 champ ends up having two losses, it could be that the Big 12 champ ends up having two losses. It may not be that complicated in the larger uh, picture, but I think ultimately it's likely to come down to 11-1 and Alabama against a Big 12 and a Pac-12 team with one loss, and I think Alabama is going to get in because I think if you're Oregon, let's say, and you're comparing the resumes of Alabama going up against Oregon, if Alabama beats Auburn head-to-head, I don't know on the road I don't know how you put Oregon, who would have a head-to-head loss to Auburn, who might end up being the fifth best team in the SEC this year. I don't know how you put Oregon in over Alabama, which would have beaten them head-to-head. And I simply don't think that Utah will have the resume. Uh, I also think you have to factor in, by the way, the same thing about Oklahoma. I don't even have Oklahoma in my top ten right now. Very good offense. They were lucky, got away with a pass interference late against Iowa State to win that football game. Uh, I don't know why Iowa State went for two. Uh, I, I mean, I understand it. They're trying to strike while the iron's hot, but it seems like every time an underdog in college football scores and goes for two, they never get it. I mean, I don't remember the last time I saw an underdog do this successfully. Already this season, we saw North Carolina lose attempting it. Uh, and now we saw Iowa State lose attempting it. I don't know why you go for two. If you got all the momentum, go into overtime and give your team a chance to win there. Uh, But I just don't think Oklahoma is anywhere near the team that Alabama is. I certainly don't think Baylor is. And ultimately, if you put them on a neutral field and let Vegas set the line, I think there's a good chance Alabama is close to a double-digit favorite over all three of those teams. So I think Alabama is going to get in if they finish 11-1. and Now... I'm not sure they're going to do it. I think there's a good chance Auburn beats Alabama in the final week of the regular season. And I think there's a decent chance Auburn beats Georgia this weekend as well. I think Auburn's pretty good. Now, I know uh, they lost on the road a tight game to LSU, and I know they lost a tough game earlier this year against Florida. But I think this Auburn-Tiger team is pretty good. It wouldn't stun me if they beat both Georgia and Alabama at home in Jordan-Hare. And it would kind of surprise me if they lost both these games. But we'll see starting this weekend against Georgia. Eddie, your thoughts on Alabama potentially getting in?
4: It wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, look, if they run the table and their only loss is a close game to the number one team in the country, obviously it's a very strong argument. And and I could see a few – there's definitely going to be some other teams that are going to fall off. So, it, again, would not surprise me one bit if Alabama's in the top and, and,
2: again, I think the toughest possible situation there for the committee would be let's say 12 and 1 Oklahoma, 12 and 1 Oregon cuz i think they have a better resume uh, than 12 and 1 Utah would and 11 and 1 Alabama. That's the most tough uh, decision i think the committee would have and ultimately i think in that scenario it would come down to 12 and 1 Oregon against 11 and 1 Alabama and i think that auburn situation would be dispositive. I think people would say, "Well, Alabama beat the team that Oregon lost to." How and we think that Alabama on a neutral field would be favored by a touchdown or more against Oregon, how in the world can the college football playoff selection committee justify putting in the Ducks over Alabama when Alabama beat the team that Oregon lost to and Alabama's got a better loss in a more competitive, difficult conference and would be favored by a touchdown or more, probably double figures on a neutral field over Oregon. I just don't understand how the college football playoff selection committee could pick
0: Oregon in that scenario. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
1: all
2: right, so it was a wild weekend in the NFL. And as we come down the final six weeks of the season, and I know we have the 49ers playing tonight against Seattle. That's a massive Monday night football game. Both of those teams right now in the playoffs. But the playoff picture always turns into a fun story to follow in the NFL. So I talked about the college football playoff picture, and I'll talk about that again at the start of our three given LSU's big win over Alabama. But I want to hit the NFC and the AFC playoff pictures in particular right now. Uh, the number one seed, I'm going to start with the NFC, and I'll hit the AFC at the bottom of the uh, of the hour here. The NFC, if the season ended right now, today, number one overall seed would be the San Francisco 49ers, and they would be the number one overall seed even if they lost tonight against Seattle. They're 8-0, the only undefeated team remaining in all of the NFL. So they are the number one seed right now. Uh, The number two seed, the Green Bay Packers, they bounce back from a tough loss on the road against the Chargers. Got a win at home. They are the two seed right now. Uh, They have a bye week, and then we have a monumentally massive game uh, between the Packers and the 49ers set up in two weeks. So right now, the Green Bay Packers get to eight and two, and they hit their bye week. So they have to have a, a pretty good feel about themselves sitting at eight and, eight and two. They would also theoretically have a bye in the playoffs. Those are your top two teams right now in the NFC. 49ers Packers. Top team that would be playing on wildcard weekend at home, the Saints, who had a devastating, potentially, loss to the Atlanta Falcons out of nowhere. The one, one and seven Falcons come on the road and beat The Saints. Uh, And now if you're a Saints fan, you feel like, well, we have to win on the road against Tampa Bay to avoid a little bit of a free fall. But the Saints would be your three seed. In the four spot, the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys slot in at four. They are your division leaders right now by virtue of a tie break over the five and four uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles as well. But given the way the Cowboys lost that game at home, uh, they are two and four since they started off three and zero. Schedule has been pretty weak. Are the Cowboys a playoff team or not? I don't know. I mean, right now, if I were betting on who's going to win this division, I think I would take the Eagles. Um, Cowboys have to go to Philadelphia still in their final seven. The schedules break down pretty well comparatively for the uh, for the Eagles compared to the Cowboys. Now I know the Eagles this weekend have the uh, have the New, New England Patriots coming off of a bye week, which is certainly not an easy draw. But I feel like right now the Cowboys are not the favorite to make uh, the, uh, to win the NFC East. And if they don't win the NFC East, well, it might be tough to be the wild card team because right now the Seahawks are at seven and two. They've got again the 49ers tonight. The Seahawks would be the first wild card. And then the Vikings getting a huge win over the Cowboys are slotted in right now as the sixth seed in uh, the playoffs. So if the playoffs were starting this weekend, the Vikings would go on the road against the Saints. What a game that would be. And then the Cowboys would be hosting the Seahawks in a rematch of last year's wild card round in the playoffs. So those are your top six. Who else is alive? The Rams, if you want to count them as being alive, uh, sitting at five and four. And uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are five and four alongside of the Carolina Panthers. Chicago Bears are sitting at four and five. So the Vikings have opened up a pretty good lead right now over everybody else in the uh, in the NFC playoff race. And the Rams don't look like a playoff team, to be frank, right now. Uh, so that is your NFC playoff picture.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
2: Johnny Cash bringing us back there. You know who might feel like they fell into a ring of fire? Uh, I would say maybe Chiefs fans. They came into Nashville, and they thought they were going to get the win with Patrick Mahomes coming back, and instead... Man, it felt like their entire special teams were on fire down the stretch. Uh, we're gonna play a clip. I think this is. Uh, do we have this? Uh, this is from my house. Uh, I went to LSU, Bama with my nine-year-old, uh, but then I came back home. We didn't go to the game here in Nashville between the Titans and the Chiefs, uh, but instead we were watching it at home. My nine-year-old was recording this. Uh, the, the boys, including me, uh, I'm a Titans fan. We have Titans season tickets. We don't have a lot to celebrate as Titans fans in recent history. Uh, but the Titans got to 5 and 5, and they did so because of a blocked field goal. Here is what it sounded like in the Travis household with my 11 year old and 9 year old. The 9 year old had his iPad up and was recording the final play of the game. Blocked it. They blocked it. Score. Yeah. So that is uh, that is inside the <laughs> Travis household, the 11- and 9-year-old and me uh, all exulting there. Uh, and as a result, it's an intriguing kind of breakdown. I just gave you the, uh, the NFC uh, playoff situation. What about the AFC? Um, and the AFC, certainly, we've kind of had a little bit of a break since the Patriots lost. They were on their bye week. They play at the Eagles, which is going to be a hell of a game. Uh, coming up this Sunday, this week. Uh, Patriots are still number one seed, but the Baltimore Ravens, who just destroyed the Cincinnati Bengals, are starting to put a little bit of pressure, I would say at this point, on the Patriots. Lamar Jackson, I'm not a believer that he's a long-term, big-time playmaker in this league as a passing quarterback. I think he's a great player right now, but I think he's got more in common with Tim Tebow, Vince Young, and RG3, three guys who were flashes in the pan with their ability to be mobile quarterbacks. I don't think you can be a mobile running quarterback consistently in this league. I've seen it happen too much. Everybody falls in love with them, and then they get hit the wrong way one time, and boom, they're not running quarterbacks anymore. Uh, but the Baltimore Ravens right now, second seed. Those would be your two bye teams. Uh, bye weeks would be go to the Patriots and the Ravens. Third seed uh, right now be the Houston Texans. Texans were on a bye. They go to Baltimore. So that's a heck of a game too. uh, As you look ahead in the NFL weekend coming up, Texans on the road against the Ravens. will get a read on how Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson goes. In the four spot, they're holding on, but it doesn't look like they're going to run away from their division like we may have anticipated earlier in the season. The Chiefs sitting at six and four uh, with three losses to the AFC South. They lost to the Colts. They lost to the Texans. They lost to the Titans. The book on the Chiefs is out, right? If you can run the football, you have a chance to beat the Chiefs. Now, Patrick Mahomes is extraordinary, but that defense is very ordinary. And if I'm a Chiefs fan waking up this morning thinking about the future, you thought, hey, when we get Patrick Mahomes back, man, we're lucky. He only missed one game or two games. Sorry, we went one and one in those two games, we're going to be fine. There's nothing really to be concerned about. But you've now lost three games with Patrick Mahomes. All three uh, of the most recent games you've played against AFC South teams. Decent chance that you could be playing one of these teams in uh, the wild card round. You don't have any chance at all now of having home field like you did last year. And I don't know. I I would be a little bit apprehensive. Big game this weekend on the road against the Chargers in Mexico City, and if the Chiefs were to lose that one, it might be time to hit the panic button on what's going on defensively. You can't blame anybody on the offense. The offense is back healthy. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman's coming on. Uh, that offensive line had some injuries but has still been protecting Patrick Mahomes pretty doggone well. Can't blame anybody on the offensive side of the ball. But man, Defensively, they got some major issues. Uh, Okay, then in the wild card. So your top four teams, your home playoff teams, buys for the Patriots, buys for the Ravens if the season were ending today. Then you've got the Texans and the Chiefs winning their divisions. And then the wild card has gotten shaken up a little bit. The Bills are 6-3. and The Bills have beaten a lot of mediocre to bad teams so far this year. The teams they've beaten have a .21, 21% winning percentage so far this year. They looked bad against the Browns on Sunday. And by the way, it wouldn't stun me if the Bills go on the road and lose at suddenly Miami, who is playing pretty well. But I think if you're a Bills fan, this idea that you guys are very good, I think you got to hit the pause button. The fact that you just lost to the Browns and could potentially lose to the Dolphins, would throw everything into an uproar in the AFC playoff picture. Then you got the Steelers. Talk about an uproar. The Steelers looked like they were dead in the water, had no hope at all. They lose Ben Roethlisberger. They're switching back and forth between Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges. And if the season ended today, Mike Tomlin, probably the most underrated coach in the NFL, has his team in the playoffs Pretty incredible uh, accomplishment by him. And then the next four up, the Raiders. Uh, Danny G couldn't make it into work today, but the Raiders are in the mix for the playoffs. The Colts sitting at 5-4 and four as well, although they have lost two in a row, including losing to the Dolphins this weekend at home. Uh, then you've got the Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those are The 10 teams that are in the mix for the AFC. What is the. We just ran through the NFL playoff picture, which we'll do a lot now that we're in the final six weeks of the season.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oh, oh, oh.
1: on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
4: I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. (laughs)